Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and the Garfield Firm. Servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of debt, Neil Garfield. The bottom line asked by everyone is, what can I do to help them? They forget to ask the question about what they can do to help themselves. Tonight, it's about both. Hi, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida. Tonight, I'll talk about what I can do for homeowners, what I can't, and what lawyers and forensic experts can do for you. I think the most important thing about tonight's show is that if you're looking to successfully challenge the threat of foreclosure, you need to start early and get help. The later you start, the less likely you are to succeed. Converse is also true. The earlier you start, the more likely you are to succeed. I've spoken and written a great deal about securitization of debt and securitization generally on Wall Street. But the most important thing you should understand about that is that knowledge of securitization is helpful as the context for your defense strategy and the context for your defense tactics. Securitization is not a subject that I believe you should directly attempt to allege or prove in court if you want to be successful in defending property from foreclosure. More than likely, if you start alleging things about securitization, you will only be reinforcing the erroneous myth that the subject transaction was and is securitized and owned by a remit trust. That is the last thing you want or need, and it's not true. The object in foreclosure defense is to undermine the sufficiency of the allegations and evidence against the homeowner. It is not to prove that the lawyers for the foreclosure mill are liars and thieves. It is not to prove that the company pretending to be performing servicing functions is part of a vast civil and criminal conspiracy even though that might very well be the case. You're not going to win the case doing that. If the object in foreclosure defense is to undermine the sufficiency of the allegations and the evidence against the homeowner, then the homeowner needs help in doing that because they have generally no prior experience in defending any claim in civil court, much less a foreclosure. Before the homeowner even gets to court, the homeowner should have consulted forensic professionals who are licensed 
and who have a direct experience with lending and foreclosures. This might include lawyers and it might not. One of our co-hosts on uh, on this show, uh, Bill Padalo, is somebody who's, a, who's licensed as an investigator, not as a lawyer. But when it comes to getting the facts right, he's a person and people like him are people that you want to go to in order to get facts, not opinions and not conclusions. Before the homeowner gets to court, they should consult with a legal advisor who can assist them in preparing a defensive strategy and defensive tactics. That requires a knowledge of court procedure, motion practice, discovery, and trial procedure. These terms probably sound like Greek to most people. Thousands of homeowners have had successful results, sometimes represented by counsel and sometimes not. Some of what has gone wrong for homeowners is due to my own exuberance over largely academic matters. Most people have gotten lost in the weeds of securitization as though they could under, ever understand it without having actually been an investment banker. As an investment banker, I understood what was happening with lending as early as 2003. As a lawyer, I understood, I understood the significance about around 2005. I mistakenly thought that by publishing a few articles and making a few appearances that I could pop the balloon. That's exactly what happens to many, if not most, homeowners who go into court unprepared with a coherent defense strategy and tactical plan. The biggest problem is that people who buy homes like to think they understand the transaction of purchasing a home. More importantly, most people are lulled into thinking they understand the transaction that produces the financing, the money, for the purchase. Secondarily, they then believe that they understand subsequent transactions in which the first financing is believed to have been refinanced. The short answer is no, they don't understand, and they have no knowledge about court procedures, substantive law, rules of evidence, or anything else that they're going to face in foreclosure. Today, in foreclosures, there might be no valid claim, but the lawyers who are pursuing that claim do understand about court procedure, they do understand the substantive uh, law, they do understand the rules of evidence, and they do understand trial practice. And if you don't know how to counter that, they will win on a, even a false claim. That's how the system works. As I have reported for more than 16 years, not even the chairman of the Federal Reserve or the 100 PhDs that serve the Federal Reserve completely understand what happened to the lending industry when Wall Street entered the picture. The simple answer is that it stopped being about lending and it started being all about the sale and trading of securities. Somehow, that became a surprise. 
anyone who knows my history and my resume knows that I was the recipient of many academic awards and graduated at the top of my class in law school and my master's program in business administration and so forth. I enjoy academic arguments. And so when I was asked to explain what actually happened to the lending industry, I spent a lot of time and a few thousand articles plus dozens of appearances on radio and TV explaining it. I'm not saying this to boast. I'm saying that I'm partially at fault for steering the, intention, the attention of everyone toward the complexity used by Wall Street as a cover-up for a civil and maybe even a criminal conspiracy. My goal was actually to incentivize both homeowners and lawyers to challenge every foreclosure attempted since the year 2000. My success was limited, but many thousands of homeowners have written to thank me for my assistance in saving their homes. So the answer to the basic question is yes, I can assist in mounting a credible and successful defense, but there are no guarantees. Even if you were to follow every single step that I have outlined at a strategy or tactic in foreclosure defense, you could still lose. So the first thing I can do is advise you that, in my opinion, subject to the opinion of local counsel that you hire, the only effective defense against foreclosure today is an attack on the sufficiency of the allegations and, a, and an attack on the sufficiency of the evidence against the homeowner. No more and no less. Any attempt to do more than that will distract from the strongest defense possessed by the homeowner against the process of foreclosure. The homeowner will end up making allegations and accusations that they cannot prove. Any attempt to do less than that will result in a failed attempt plus a rationalization that the foreclosure was inevitable. And that's where we stand right now. The acceptance and enforcement of a false claim in court is not inevitable unless the homeowner fails to test or challenge any of the assertions or allegations made in the attempt to manufacture a claim and fabricate documents in support of that manufactured false claim. I'm only one person licensed by the Florida Bar for Florida State Courts, Federal Courts, and Bankruptcy Courts. Through reciprocity or pro hoc vice, I have appeared in proceedings in 26 states and everything from foreclosures to administrative procedures to criminal proceedings. I have 45 years in the courts, and for me, that means I've had enough. I generally do not accept any appearance, any engagements that require my appearance in trial court. I serve mainly as a legal consultant to help create the strategies and tactics necessary to conduct a successful defense of an illegal foreclosure action. This is mainly in the context of transactions that are claimed to have been securitized. I know for certain that no transaction with homeowners has ever been securitized. For it to have been securitized, there would have had to have been a sale of the underlying obligation. That never happened. There was no sale. But here's the rub. I also know 
that securitization happened. That means, though, that securities were issued. They were created, issued, sold, and traded as a result of each homeowner executing documents that were presented to the homeowner as documentation of a loan transaction. And the homeowner bought it. They had no reason not to. All you need to know is that no such securitization created, issued, or sold to any investor any right, title, or interest to any loan account receivable due from any homeowner. That's all you need to know. The securities did not convey ownership of the debt, note, mortgage, or anything else. What I can do for you is to show you how, to, how you can use that information to defeat the foreclosure without necessarily attempting to prove what actually happened in securitization on Wall Street. I do that for nothing other than donations on livinglies.me. I do that on this show, which is supported only by donations. And I do that in the occasional webinars, which one of which is going to be announced shortly. I also do that in direct service to some clients, depending upon whether I find their case interesting. The big mistake by both homeowners and lawyers has been the attempt to make securitization an issue. I did, I'm guilty. I contributed to that without meaning to do so. You don't need to make securitization an issue. You shouldn't even try because you don't know enough to make the proper allegations or to prove them. The only thing you need to know is that in our system of justice, anyone can make a claim, whether it's true or false. But then they have to prove it. And if they want to make a claim, they have to state it in accordance with generally accepted customs and practices in the local courts. So if you want to sue somebody, local law will tell you or your lawyer, what the elements of that suit have to include in order for the judge to even require a response from the person being sued. Now, in non-judicial states, you have the problem where, and I don't agree with this, I think it's a violation of due process, et cetera, but this is the way it is, the homeowner has to sue for a temporary restraining order alleging things that would support the issuance of an injunction. That makes it more difficult, not impossible. You also probably need to know that the current customs practices and forms that are currently in use have not been updated since before the era of securitization. In most cases, these Forms, rules, procedures, and practices date back to the 80s and before that. This makes the job of the foreclosure defense attorney more difficult and challenging, but not impossible. It makes the job of the attorney representing the foreclosure mill much easier. 
by sticking to the old established forms, the attorney can slide by without making allegations that are normally required in other civil cases. That's why most motions to dismiss, motions for more definite statement, motions to strike, etc., at the front end of the case will often fail. If the judge is doing their job, they, they might deny it without prejudice. Of the tens of thousands of homeowners who won their cases or otherwise forced fake claimants into, into a beneficial settlement, they all succeeded because they focused their attack on the sufficiency of the allegations and the sufficiency of the evidence being presented against them. I do provide reports or executive summaries that provide the context for, narrative, for the narrative of a successful defense of a fake foreclosure action, but the temptation to use that report in court is misguided. The written report of any forensic expert is worthless without live foundation testimony that can be cross-examined by the opposing side. Dems the rules. It may have some value in a motion for, for contesting a motion for summary judgment, but other than that, the report should only be used as context for drafting discovery, motions to compel discovery, and other motion practice. If the motion practice has been conducted properly, and I'm referring to motions to compel, motions for sanctions, motions in limine, there should be no need to introduce the report or testimony into evidence because the homeowner will have hopefully generated eventually after repeat appearances in front of the court, the homeowner will have hopefully generated an order from the court that prevents the opposition from introducing any evidence as to the truth of the matter relating to the existence of any obligation owed by the homeowner the ownership of such an obligation, and the right to administer, collect, or enforce any obligation purportedly due from the homeowner to the claimant. For the most part, the only thing that the court wants to know, at least initially, is whether or not the homeowner owes money to the claimant and whether or not the homeowner breached a promise made to the claimant. As long as the lawyer representing the foreclosure mill says that, then it's game on. And if you don't respond, it's game over. Once those issues are established or are considered established, there is a presumption that the claimant has suffered financial injury as a result of the breach by the homeowner. We all know that no such injury is present in, in the event that it's a remit trust. The court is required to make certain presumptions in favor of the claimant at the beginning of the case. Them's the rules. Attacks against the claim will only be sustained by the court if the attack shows the absence of any allegation of an actual claim or claimant. This could be performed in a motion to dismiss or a motion for more definite statement or perhaps even a motion to strike an affidavit, declaration, or certification. However, most judges are not inclined to grant such motions. 
So there may be tactical reasons for doing so, knowing you're going to lose, in order to get the judge acquainted with the narrative, the defense narrative. But other than that, the case is going to be... If, if the case is going to be won for the homeowner, it's probably going to be won during discovery. I can assist in creating a strategy and tactical plan that is likely to achieve a successful result for the homeowner if I get involved early enough. I do this by physically drafting qualif uh, qualified written requests, debt validation letter, lawsuits, motions, and memoranda. I also prepare lawyers and pro se litigants before they go into court. Anyone who goes into a courtroom without appropriate preparation is asking for trouble. I generally do not help homeowners who are looking for a magic bullet. There is no such thing. I am generally seeking clients that are willing to commit substantial time, money, and resources for professional help. As most of you know, I'm not a lawyer referral service. Occasionally, I do refer lawyers but it's only occasionally, and I do not accept, for those lawyers listening, I do not seek or accept any referral fee for that. I tried doing that many years back, and occasionally I'm able to connect people to a lawyer. But on balance, lawyers are like cats, and I don't have the energy or desire to herd them. I do find that the current challenge in finding a lawyer to represent homeowners who are faced with the threat of foreclosure can be more easily met if the prospective attorney is given an executive summary for the case and some suggestions for a successful defense strategy and tactical plan. Frequently, if the homeowner is able to come to some agreement with local counsel, at least up to the point where they can get, a, get them on the phone with me, it will usually usually end up with the lawyer accepting the engagement, and if paid properly, will go on most likely to achieve a satisfactory result for the homeowner, again, if it's early enough in the process. I also serve as cheerleader in order to bolster the enthusiasm of both the homeowner and the attorney. My observation, as I have previously reported, is that the best results come from homeowners who are in it for the long haul. They're in it to win it. And who are, these homeowners are persistent, aggressive, and challenging the existence of the loan account receivable, the ownership of the loan account receivable, and the authority to administer, collect, or enforce payments. Most of my work consists of case analysis, draft, drafting of documents for investigation and discovery. Some of it involves new lawsuits seeking recovery for illegal foreclosures. I can tell you, though, without question, that homeowners do better on defense than offense. That means that the ones who are defending and, and start their defense early are much more likely to achieve a successful result than somebody who files a lawsuit after it's all over, even though in California, the courts are pretty much telling you you can't even start until it's all over. Add about 15% uh, of my time is taken up with telephone consultations 
to guide people in the direction or to prepare them for an upcoming hearing. So there are things that I can do and that I'm willing to do, and there are things that I can't do, like appear in court for you or won't do, and there is no substitute for appearing in for someone appearing in court through local counsel who understands local rules and understands and has a knowledge of the people who are sitting on the bench now my personal experience with certain cases in South Florida and, and the middle of Florida is that you can get a judge who normally rubber stamps a, a foreclosure. But even, and, and even if it's just a trial, you may be able to blow the case up if you raise the right objections at the right time and you phrase it right, and you can argue it. My personal experience was up until uh, the last time I was in court is that judges will most often listen to a well-framed objection and will frequently rule in favor of the person raising the objection if it is well-framed and timely. What does timely mean? It means, for example, a hearsay objection is waived unless it's immediately raised at the, uh, almost simultaneously with the question. After that, it's gone. So all these people, lawyers, pro se litigants, etc who wait until the end of a long line of questions to then object to the hearsay, they already waived it, and that's why it's overruled. Other objections that should be made at trial include foundation. That is a key element. Once an objection is sustained, if the witness has already issued an answer, then you will have waived your objection even though it was sustained by the judge unless you move to strike the witness's answer because the witness's answer is still in the record. So these are the things that I cover and these are the things that um, organization like the American Property Owners Network, et cetera, are, are prodding me towards um, uh, offering a webinar that might um, give more examples and more instruction for both individual homeowners and the lawyers that take up the defense of homeowners. The thing I want I guess the last thing that I want to say about this is that I think the biggest problem is not that lawyers won't take the cases. It's that 
homeowners feel unable or unwilling to pay the lawyers to get deep enough into the weeds to um, actually get involved and seek to win the case. This involves very often multiple motions to compel, multiple motions for sanctions, multiple motions for sanctions in relation to mediation and not just uh, discovery. It's at mediation that they're supposed to be present. Uh, by they, I mean the so-called trustee of the Remick Trust. So these are some of the things that I wanted to get out there, and hopefully uh, people will understand that you should not be talking about or raising securitization as though it was a defense, you should be attacking the sufficiency of allegations and the sufficiency of evidence against you. When you ask for corroborative evidence for something that is presumed and you don't get it, you can then block the presumption. That's it for tonight. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next week. The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me.